0: We gather for worship today with gratitude in our hearts and for the local fires that have been subsiding and the the fire uh, workers and personnel who have been suppressing that, which is fantastic. Many homes and lives were saved, and so we're grateful for that as we gather. And yet we grieve as well. We know that over 50 homes um, and even more structures between the Carmel Fire and River Fire were destroyed, and so we grieve uh, with those who have made... Uh, those uh, terrible losses have become real for them. And we praise God at the same time, our our friends at Vi- Valley Bible Fellowship Church in Keshawa, they were miraculously, their building and their property was spared. It's a miracle. I spoke with the pastor yesterday. It came feet away from, from structures. It was spared. They're having worship uh, this morning, and we are partnering with them to respond to all of those families um, who lost homes, and so there'll be more details to come. But you can email us at church and say if you want to participate in that. We'll have instructions on our website as well about it. if you want to directly help those who lost homes or suffering um, from the fires in uh, Carmel Valley in particular. Um, we're going to partner with them. We invite you to do do that with us. So we want to ask you, with all of these things going on, how do you come to worship today? Uh, you could come with joy in your heart. You're you're ready to praise God. Um, but maybe you have something in you where it's struggling. You come with praise in your mouth, but some of us come with tears in our eyes. And we want you to know, however you come, you can bring yourself. You can come as you are. We believe that God is glad you showed up today. God has a word for you. We want you to be attentive to the word he might have for you as we look at Psalm 100. If you come to him, let's trust him. He's going to speak to us as we make ourselves ready to hear his word, and then to respond by taking a step forward in faith, our next faithful step toward Jesus. See, in Psalm 100, it isn't teaching us to praise God simply because it's intellectually true. Now, it is intellectually true, and that's great. That's important. But God wants worshipers who do more than simply believe in their head. You know, James 2.19 says, even the demons believe in God. See, it's not enough to just believe the right things. That's never been enough. Jesus says he's looking for worshipers who worship in, in spirit and in truth. There's head, there's heart. It's our whole selves that come before the Lord. So I ask you again, how do you come today? If you're ready to worship God, ready to lift your hands in praise and amen, that's fantastic. You're going to love Psalm 100. But some of us, joy seems distant right now. It seems hard to grasp. And I want to invite you to make part of your worship today, offering up your longing for joy. Not that you have it yet, you're experiencing it yet, but make part of your worship saying, God, help me, help me to have joy. Help me to believe Psalm 100. Make that part of your worship today, that longing for God's presence that longing to experience a joy that Psalm 100 is talking about. You can let him know that in worship that it's hard to sense his presence. You can let him know that you want him to break through the fog that fills your mind, that you want him to reveal himself through the ashes. That you want to know his joy. Make that part of your worship this morning if that's how you come that you want to know this joy of Psalm 100. See, joy is not only what drives the Christ follower to live each day. That's what Psalm 100 is going to teach us. It's what drove Jesus himself to the cross. See, the book of Hebrews says that it was because of joy that Jesus took the cross. For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. That means that even though Jesus knew the cross would torture him, he had joy in his heart because he thought about you and thought about me and he thought about us being separated from him for eternity. And taking the cross with its suffering was a joy, the joy that we might be with him forever. You see, this whole Bible, not just the Psalms, is all about joy. And Christ models to live a joyful life, even if it means suffering, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. He thought about you and me being with him for eternity, and the cross became a joy. So let's take a look at Psalm 100. Look at verse 1. It starts off saying, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. You see, Psalm 100 is filled with exuberance and enthusiasm that inspires, it convicts us. You cannot read Psalm 100 without longing for these qualities to be in our own worship of God. You see, it's one of the great worship hymns in the Psalms, and it's a favorite throughout church history. Psalm 100 speaks to us. And yet, it's interesting, it's the only psalm specifically identified as a psalm of thanksgiving. Let's not forget that. That somehow, if we want to be joyful worshipers, that thanksgiving is key to that joy. You see, here's what it is. Worship of God is a response To God's grace. You see, as we recognize God's grace towards us, our hearts are filled with gratitude and our natural response is joy. Grace, gratitude leads to joy. It's the same thing that the New Testament teaches, that Psalm 100 is teaching, this pattern of grace, gratitude, and joy. So let me ask you do you have God's joy in your life? Well, you can't have God's joy unless you have gratitude. And you can't have gratitude unless you recognize God's grace that Jesus took across to make a way for you and for me to be with him for eternity, beginning right now. That is God's grace that fills your heart with gratitude, that leads to joy. I hope you can see it. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says it this way, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Don't mistake this book. Don't mistake the good news of the gospel for religion. It is not. It is a life of joy. See, following Jesus is not about becoming more religious or becoming a better person. It's not about becoming enlightened or using Jesus as your therapist. No, Christianity is about worshiping. It's about praising and enjoying God because his love is the only true love and his love, his is only true love. This is the only thing that can satisfy you. Nothing else will. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him. Jesus wants you to have a life of joy and you can't have it Unless you have gratitude and you won't have gratitude unless you see his grace, his love for you. He's calling out to you, reaching out to you. You see, human beings, their purpose is to praise God. When God created humans, they were wired to worship him and to be in deep, loving, intimate relationship with their creator. So, but let me ask you, do you treat Christianity like this religion, like a moral code, like a way to become good or a real relationship with someone who deeply loves you? Which is it? Do you know that right now God looks at you with love? I don't know how you look at yourself. You wake up in the morning. Sometimes I look in the mirror and it's not looking too good what I see, but God sees you as this beautiful workmanship his own child, that's God's grace that we hope speaks into you a life and a heart of gratitude, which will lead you to a life of joy. Do you know that God wants you to have deep joy? I love how Pastor Tim Keller says, he says, the sin underneath all other sins is a lack of joy in Christ. Let that sink in. You see, that means that we are jealous of others really because we lack joy. That we are unfaithful in relationships because we actually lack joy. That we hoard resources because we lack joy. We want revenge, why? Because we lack joy. The sin underneath all the other sins is a lack of joy in Christ. Psalm 100 is saying, you wanna have a good life? You need joy. You want joy, true joy, joy that lasts? need to have gratitude. And you can't have true lasting gratitude unless you know the God of grace, the gift of his love that he looks upon you right now with love. That we live underneath the reign of our good and gracious King Jesus, who is seeking your joy. That's what Psalm 100 is about. You see this praise offered to the Lord that Psalm 100 teaches us is joyful. And also it is Offered because God is present. Let's look at this present God. Verse two, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. See, we worship a God who is present. God's not just an idea. No, he is presence. Now, presence is foundational. It's a theme that leads to this joy. And Psalm 100 actually depicts us entering into God's presence. Not in an imaginary way, but truly coming to The throne of God into his presence. The name Emmanuel that we see in the Hebrew scriptures means God with us. That's Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 18, 20 reminds us where Jesus says, Where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. He is present in a special way. Then we take a look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. We are His people, and we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And so we see that God, who is present, is a shepherd who leads us. Don't forget that you have a shepherd. Psalm 100 teaches us that this Lord is a Savior for the whole earth. And this congregation moves into the presence of one who was for us, who loves us, who wants to lead us. Now, this is good news, and it's not just good news for our one tribe of people. It's good news for every tribe, every nation to hear. And Psalm 100 explodes with this joyful invitation for all the nations to join in the praise of this shepherd king. A shepherd king who is good and loving and faithful to every generation of every nation who would call Yahweh their king. This is really good news. So I want to remind you as we read Psalm 100, don't let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God because he is here and he is a good shepherd and he cares about you and he wants to bring you a life of joy. And then you look at verse 5. It says, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is good. I love that word. It makes it so simple. This shepherding savior who was present is good. And good is this great word because it de- it's a deeply meaningful word because of its breath that covers all of life. Reminds me of Psalm 34, eight, that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, worship is is joyful because the Lord we worship is in charge and he is loving and he is kind and he is faithful. He's good. Psalm 22, 3 says it very simply as well. God inhabits the praises of his people. God is present. He inhabits God makes his home, actually the Hebrew word literally means that, makes his home among the people who praise him. And so wherever you are right now, maybe you're with people or maybe you're by yourself, that when we praise God, when we choose to give thanks, God says, I'm going to make my home with you. I'm going to make my home in your apartment. I'm going to make my home around that kitchen table. I'm going to make my home wherever you are, inside or outside, I'm going to make my home with you. God is looking at you today and says, I want to make my home with you. I want to be with you. I want to share my joy with you. I, I wired you and created you to glorify me, God says, and to enjoy me forever. I want to make my home with you. Do you know this God who is present right now, who is this good shepherd, who only wants good for you? Do you know him? He wants you to make his home, inside your life, not just in a a totally private way, but your whole life, the way you live, the way you think, the way you serve, the way you love others. You see, praise to God is offered in a communal It's meant to be part of a community. As we look at verse four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. This was a Psalm used by a community of people coming together to worship God. Oh, how I miss those days. Of course, we can gather together in person. I'm looking so forward to doing that again next week as we gather in person, because that's what Psalm 100 was written for, that we can gather as a community. It's giving a picture of a community of faith coming together. It's not so much focus on our individual worship and our individual minds or individual lives. No, it's us as a community. the something about praising God together, even virtually that matters. Isn't it amazing to think that with you right now, that there are dozens of others, maybe even hundreds of others watching with you, worshiping with you that matters that we do this together. I want you to think about your, your favorite outing from months ago, like a concert or a sporting event. I, I miss those things so much. I know you do too. You know, right now you can fly to Florida Orlando and sneak into an NBA playoff game. And, uh, but what fun would it be to be cheering on your team all by yourself, right? Something just doesn't feel right to be cheering on your team in an empty arena. We were meant to do things together. John 15 Jesus says, when the world sees my disciples in community, then the world will know him. Isn't it amazing that the world is looking at us and what will they see as we come together? Part of our worship is not just individual worship and privatized worship, but coming together in worship and showing a watching world, the love of Jesus in our community. That as people look at us, that nothing propels the message of the gospel outward more than drawing people's eyes inward to the community that can show love and show unity and show hope. See, when people look at Carmel Presbyterian Church, I wonder, will they see a community loving God and loving others? I wonder, what if our neighbors saw this beautiful community in our church that makes the gospel we share more plausible. You know, your life might be the only Bible that people will read this whole week, that that people will read their entire lives. And so yes, that phone call matters and that email matters and that chat session matters and that Zoom call matters. You might be the only Bible people read this week. What will you do this week, to give someone a glimpse of God's goodness. What would we do today to give a glimpse of God's goodness? You know, one of our church elders asked a group of us this week, if our church were suddenly to close down for good, would our neighbors miss us? And I want to challenge us to think about that. That we would be the kind of church community, as we love God and love others, that people would miss if we ever were gone for good. I want you to take a look at these fire photos. So many of you responded with offers to help you, took in people, people you didn't know, feeding people, helping those fleeing the fires. Our, our deacons immediately released $1,000 of grocery gift cards of families in need. The Yellow Brick Road Thrift Store was giving $100 vouchers for clothes and other needed items for anyone in need. And now we have the specific opportunity to partner with Valley Bible Fellowship in Keshawa to minister to over 30 families in their neighborhood who lost their homes. So you can email us to get connected or check our website for more details. We want to bless these families who've lost everything. You can be a part of that because I want to be, and don't you, to be the kind of church that people would miss. See, our worship isn't just private. This isn't to ourselves. This isn't in our own little group. Our worship should extend out. The people should be able to get a glimpse of God's goodness by looking at us. So let's respond with the generosity that, points to our joy in the Lord. I don't know if you remember this famous moment in sports history. If you're a Lakers fan like me or a Sacramento Kings fan like maybe some of you are, you'll remember this because the Lakers were down by two points with just seconds remaining and Robert Ory knocks down the game winner and then everyone erupted in applause because this was in Staples Center. Thousands of people cheering and cheering. The Lakers went on to be the world champions. And the thing is, when the Lakers won that game, no one scripted that celebration, right? No one told 15,000 people to immediately jump in the air and throw their hands up and start celebrating and shouting. No one had to tell me sitting in my home in front of my little TV set. No one had to tell me to stand up and shout and to cheer. No one in that arena, no one at home watching who are a Lakers fan worried about uh, what they would scream or how many high fives they give. You see, this is what happens. When your team wins... Your joy just comes bursting out. It's our natural reaction. Yeah, I wonder in worship, as we look at Psalm 100, I wonder if our problem is that we're not convinced that Jesus is really one. And shall we show up every Sunday kind of like, well, because we're not convinced that Jesus is really one, that he really rose from the grave, that he really is not in the tomb, that we really are filled with hope. And we wonder maybe if God is really good when our prayers go unanswered? What if we woke up instead with the confidence of Psalm 100, with thanks in our hearts and flowing out of our mouths, with, with joy because of God's goodness? What if we woke up with the confidence that Jesus really did win? What if we could see the darkness, the real darkness in our world, see beyond that? What if we could see with Holy Spirit, eyes beyond the darkness and see the light of the world, Jesus. Maybe even using me, you, in small ways to show God's love. Maybe we could see that when we wake up. See, the God of the universe loves you, which means you can burst out with joy because you really are on the winning team. He really does does call you his own. He calls you part of his family, And he calls you part of his plan to join his mission to give a glimpse of God's goodness until he comes again. What if God wants to use you? And guess what he does? When you say yes to him, you're on his team. And that's a reason to praise God because not only are you loved, he's inviting you to join him on his mission to show the world how good this God is. So take some time to think about what a good God, the God of Psalm 100 is. Think about that. Let that sink in this week. Imagine the joy when the first disciples 2,000 years ago discovered that Jesus really was resurrected. He isn't dead. He's alive. When they realized that death and sickness and having to earn God's favor, that was all history. That guilt and bitterness and defeat didn't have to be a way of life anymore. So take some time yourself modern day disciples, to realize that Jesus really is alive and to reflect on what does it look like when you enter into eternity one day that your future is secure. And so you can live today with hope and with courage and with meaning and purpose, even though things look dark. See, Jesus has ushered in the reality that eternity is already in session, and you can live into that. And you can go ahead and start living in the reality of eternity right now. We can start having joy in everything that we do. Not made up joy, oh, but real joy. Because of God's grace, filling us with gratitude, leading to your very real joy in Christ. Even though we see the ashes, and I see them too, And our days can be filled with would've and should've and could've. And we feel the stress of the world every day, don't we? Oh, but we can give it back to God and realize we are on this planet for this time for a purpose. And we can see meaning in the midst of darkness, meaning in the midst of the ashes and say, God, use me. Use me to show a glimpse of your goodness as I follow you, Jesus, the one who has overcome The world, we really are on the winning team, friends. Psalm 100 says, let that soak in. Let joy be the center of who you are. Let gratitude lead you towards that way and and may grace be the foundation of it all. Friends, pray with me. Jesus, we want to see you more clearly. Oh yes, you died on that cross and I cannot believe that you went to the cross with joy because You knew that's what you needed to do to make a way for us. And Lord, as you rose from that grave and you left that tomb, I imagine there was joy knowing that it was complete. And there was a way now for us to be close to you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, King, that we get to be your subjects on your team that we get to be part of your mission. So, so, Lord, help us in the midst of the darkness and the ashes and the hardships, not to have this fake joy, oh Lord, but real deep center joy in you. Thank you for your grace. Help me to be grateful and use me to show that joy in the midst of the hardships, the hope in the midst of the difficulties, the light truly in the midst of literal darkness around us. Lord, use my little life to show your great love. Oh, we ask this in your name, King Jesus. Amen.